This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is the show where I bring to life the true failures, the true successes, and the true learnings from recruiters and recruitment business owners globally. This podcast is now sponsored and supported by Hunted. Hunted is one of the best places on the internet for recruitment content. Of course, one of the reasons why I decided to partner with them is crucially, we share a common goal to help recruiters get better at their jobs. Hunted write about everything you can need in your career, from productivity hacks to helping your time management to TED Talks and reading lists. They offer in-depth insights into worldwide destinations and, of course, there's everyone's favorite recruitment wolf, Mr. Ed Hunter, who's not quite as scary in real life, but that is a story for another time. If you haven't yet checked out Hunted's content, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I'm in a another WeWork, a brand new WeWork, mm. and I'm joined uh, by Reese Warren, who is a team lead for Few and Far and heads up the software engineering team. How are you, Reese? I'm I'm good, man. I'm very yeah. Nervous. So, um, set the scene. As I said, we're in Waterloo. They're new. We work. Um, they have a skate ramp downstairs. <laughs> a fully functioning skate ramp. Yeah, they have, they have a fully functioning skate ramp <laughs> downstairs that Reese kindly told me that um, you're not allowed to use. No, no. So we were allowed to use it on the first week, and we weren't allowed to use the basketball hoop, which everyone was really confused by. So rather than let us use a basketball hoop, they've now shut down the skate ramp. But it's still fully functioning. Yeah. But no one is allowed on it. It's just a bit weird. It's like why? It's so stupid. Yeah, it is. It is really stupid. I think, <laughs> and it, it just looks a bit shit. It's just awful. We could put so many different things there, but they're like, what can we do that's really cool and edgy and yeah, hashtag yeah, yeah. London? And yeah. it's, it's it's crap. Yeah. yeah. Like so true. Um. Cool. So look, as I was saying, Reese, where I always like to start. Mm-hmm. How did Reese Warren enter the uh, world of recruitment, my friend? How mm-hmm. did that happen? So I uh, I was I studied at, at Kings. Sorry. I studied at uh, at Kings. Uh, studied philosophy, of all things, where there is no obvious career path into anything. And I was looking through Guardian jobs and Indeed and all this stuff. And um, I don't remember applying for recruitment at really? all. Actually, no, not I don't remember whatsoever. And I uh, I applied for a, a rec to rec, like. Yeah open day essentially where I did like a, a group interview Oh wow! and I went in with eight other interviewees and everyone was suited and booted and I was in this baggy Primark horrible shirt oh, nice. and uh, basically they just spec me outside of recruitment businesses and I was going to all these interviews and, and one of them was thrown out of actually and I was thinking this really isn't going well um, and then yeah came across engineering I did more research into it because my background is in, in esports yeah. and it looked really really geeky and techy and I was mm. like damn like this actually looks quite interesting and the rest is is history as they say okay cool so um so how did you stumble across the engineering piece then so that's so that, that's under the tech 
yeah. industry, right? Yeah. So um, originally, I was applying for lots of different types of recruitment. There was property recruitment. There was yeah. FMCG. Um, there was, I can't even remember stuff. half of the stuff. And then when I eventually went into to interview with uh, the current company, um, you know, when you're like on the bus journey to the interview, you're like, oh, yeah. I should probably do some research. I <laughs> saw um, so product and engineering. I was like, what the hell is that? that mean, um, yeah. And then, yeah, looked into it and, and had a chat with, with the guys here. Like, yeah, we basically build apps. I was like, that's really Yo. cool. Like, yeah, yeah. cool. And that, that got you excited. Yeah, yeah and that was it. Okay. Um, what was your perception of recruitment at this point? Um, so when I went into for, for my rector rec interview, uh, they set out the scene of recruitment of everything that it could be. And, uh, there was this dude who kept talking about how many Porsches he owned oh my um, God. and, um, he flashed his Rolex at me Oh my God! and he said that he has three houses, one's on the South of France and two other ones. Fuck's sake. And I was sat there and I was thinking, this guy is such an absolute tosser like, it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable how arrogant this dude is yeah. um i don't know if he listens that'll be hilarious if he does he'll know exactly who he is <laughs> um and um he was explaining he was like look no most recruiters are, are are hated and he was he was quite honest about it as well but he's like that's why we're paid so much oh um, wow and i didn't really mind that i don't mind the idea of being hated so i was like oh, well, that's fine I, was like, oh, I don't care um and yeah, the more research did into it, and again, when I interviewed with these guys, they set it out so clearly, like, you're going to hate this. Yeah. But it kind of made me want to do it more. Yeah. It was like, I'm not going to hate it. Like, you're, yeah, it's like, because I just didn't believe, because everyone was saying, it's horrible, it's this, it's this. I was like, it can't be that bad. Like, yeah, there's, yeah. there's no way it could be. And the more I looked into it, I saw negative reviews and stuff. But I was like, well, I don't think I'm uh, I'm going to be that bad at it. Like, mm. I, I, maybe I can not make a change. That sounds really cringe but maybe i can just do a slightly better job yeah, yeah. and carve out a bit of a niche and stuff and, i can't believe yeah. it like and how that was what so then just to um set the um sort of tone then so you've mm. been at few and far now for yeah. three and a half years right yeah yeah and yeah. that's been your only recruitment job yeah. yeah yeah so these types of conversations um on what recruitment is and these types mm. of things only sort of three and a bit years ago yeah. which i think that i just think that's just so lame like yeah. <laughs> but how how so if you like now knowing what you know now yeah just out of interest before we sort of move into mm. how things went and stuff like how how would you sell recruitment now like if if, re, if the like the yeah. next reese was in front of you right now and yeah. he was sitting on the other side of the table and you yeah. know what you know now how would you how would you sell it to him um, I would probably do what was done originally, um, but probably worse. I would say that it is really horrible at okay. first because I think when you first do this job, um, getting used to, to the hours and the amount of work you put and the amount of rejections. Um, yeah. For me personally, I'm terrified on a night out to, mm. to approach a girl, right? Mm. In case she's like, no, you're ugly. Mm. It'll break my, honestly, it'll break me. Yeah. Um, and at first it's kind of like that when you're you're calling through job boards and you're like, look, I've, I've actually got a really good role. And they're like, no, please don't call me again. Yeah. Or where did you get this number? It yeah. was just, it was awful. But the longer you do it, the more you enjoy it. So mm. I'd, I'd repeat what was said. Um, the only thing I would really change is more information about the market. Um, I think it's really, really important for everyone to understand the market they're getting to because I think the type of recruitment that you do really depends on your uh, or really affects your experience of recruitment. Because um, mm. I imagine recruiting for people in finance mm. is very different from recruiting people in, in software engineering, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I would hate finance because... Yeah. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. So you touched on it a bit there. 
I always like to to speak to people about their sort of first year in recruitment because yeah. I had my own, uh, own experience with yeah. that and and how difficult it was. Yeah. How were your first twelve months then? Uh, to be honest, they they were really really strange. Okay. So when I first joined the business, um, we were about eight or, or nine people, so yeah. so much smaller um, than we are now. And uh, we were in a position where the engineering team there were um, three of us, um, not including mobile. And uh, I was working for for this guy who was hilarious. Um, yeah. And we'd come into the office, and we would just sit and chat and just basically not do much work. Oh, wow, and it okay. was it was it was pretty great to be honest with you. Yeah. There weren't as many pressures as as there are now to like pay the bills. Obviously, mm. in a WeWork now where the rent is ridiculous. Um, and it was just it was good at first for okay. the first six months or so. I came in and I was just so determined to make some money because. Um, I just moved into a flat where my rent was a grand a month oh, wow. on a 20k base and yeah. I I wanted to go somewhere cheaper but I was going to places in like Mile End um, I looked in Clapham and there were like just holes in the bathroom I was like oh yeah. I, can't, I can't do that so I got somewhere posh so I was just constantly like on it trying to yeah. do as much as possible and then after those those six or seven months uh, the team left Okay, and I was left on my own which was quite bizarre because mm. we went from this culture where we would really bounce off each other and and rip into each other or whatever and it was a really nice like balanced environment to essentially just just me in the the web engineering side so the guy in, in mobile thankfully stayed um which was nice so there was two of us um technically on like the dev side yeah well, i had to take care of all the account management um all the 360 piece everything after seven months and and after that to be honest with you it was it was a bit horrible was um it? Because that's when it all falls on on to you to to deliver against everything. And what was you? you what, so what was you doing before that point? Was you just uh, focusing on sourcing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was literally just so like, you were working on other people's clients, their relationships, yeah. other people's jobs. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. we were working accounts all over the world. So at that time, we had a huge account um, in Thailand. Oh, okay. And we were just drilling CVs into yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think we did like twenty placements with so them. You, so, so you was really focusing on delivery. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And okay. then to take over the wider responsibilities. I loved account management. It's great, really mm. enjoyable. But to do across all of the remits, so that was every language you could basically think of. Of right, you're covering it. So I was like a generalist engineering recruiter. So to do all of that and the account management, and then to take care of like qualification calls, etc. It was just a bit mad. Mm. And at the time, um, uh, we we got our initial. Uh, progression plan so so wrong so i got promoted from being a, a sourcer to you know like a senior sourcer and then i had to go and start pulling my own clients but wow. pulling my own clients whilst doing all of this stuff as well was almost impossible because i'd also had no experience doing bd before and like i said i am a huge pussy so yeah. the idea of being rejected by a client i was just heartbroken by so i said no no, no we're not using agencies i was just like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, yeah. um so so yeah it was very very bizarre after that, but um, okay. So so um, up to the twelve month mark, were you still on yeah. your own? Uh, or yeah. Did you? Okay, cool. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's break that down a bit. I think there's some interesting points there. So just so um, also just to help the people listening. So your market mm -hmm. tech very saturated. I mean, Ridiculous. there's so many yeah. tech recruiters out there, right? Digital, yeah. whatever you want to call it, because yeah. it's a very um, fruitful. Yeah. Um, financially rewarding from a recruitment perspective yeah. market, right? Definitely. So those first six, seven months, <clears throat> um, how how did you get to know and understand the market firstly, just out mm. of interest? Like how yeah. did you um, get to know the tech market and, yeah. and get to understand these software engineers? How yeah. did you go about that? 
Um, the the first and most obvious technique is to ask your, your candidates. Yeah. Um, when, when people come into my team now, they're, they're so scared of seeming stupid. Exactly. Um, That's why I they're, they're, I find it really quite bizarre. Um, the, the best recruiters I've ever met are always the ones which pretend to be stupid. So they'll speak to the candidate and say, oh, so out of interest, like how do, do, do REST APIs work? Mm. Right? That doesn't make you stupid, not knowing that. Yeah. We aren't supposed to know that. I don't have a degree in, in comp sci. I have no freaking idea, right? Yeah. So going in with that mindset of saying, look, I, I saw this on your CV that, for example, you've done um, a, a migration over to a microservices architecture. What the hell is that? Yeah. That doesn't make me stupid because I don't know that. But mm. if I get those answers that I need, you can essentially not repeat it to future candidates without processing it, but you have a starting point to then do your own additional research. Mm. And I think in this market specifically, if you don't know your stuff when it comes to technology, and this is more on the perm side, contract I think is more about a process rather than the market. Um, but if you don't know on the perm side, you're just going to look like an idiot. And you can't do client qualifications properly because you don't know what they're looking for. And you can't do candidate qualifications because you don't understand if they're any good. Because you can't call them out and be like, yeah. well, you've just said that you did this. How does that work? Because I didn't think that was possible. Mm. And then you go, um, 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 um. And you can just sift through the yep. the worst engineers, I guess. Okay. So um, so did it come quite natural to you then to not feel stupid when you were asking them? No. Like I say, in my degree... Um, I studied the the subject of of tables for a year, right? Whether or not tables existed, oh, I'm not wow. even joking. You, I paid oh nine grand God. to study tables. That is mental. So at that point, I'm not worried about asking questions which seem stupid because <laughs> because I've met someone who is on forty five grand a year to teach a module on whether or not tables exist. <laughs> I'm not worried about that anymore. Like I'll okay. ask anything. All right. So so the advice then for people that I, that can be. Um, uh, that can be applied to any market, right? Yeah, definitely. When you're early on, I think I, I, I definitely had to, I mean, I worked in insurance and recruited in insurance, so that yeah. helped. But I think, yeah, it is a real common challenge for people because no one likes to feel stupid at the end of the uh, day. Definitely not. So um, I think, yeah, and what I'd also say from my own experience is that when you actually ask in questions and you get candidates speaking about them, themselves, they actually really enjoy it. Yeah. I can imagine even more so from a technical yeah. background, they actually like talking about yeah the tech element because yeah. there's an element of passing on that knowledge and, yeah. and sharing it right yeah. um, so advice for people in that market then is yeah don't feel stupid ask yeah. a question yeah. um, and really listen yeah. obviously right yeah, definitely. Um, where was you sourcing these people I was caning LinkedIn caning LinkedIn caning. what do you well, mean by caning LinkedIn um, I was sending out I'd say 100 to 200 connect requests a day wow um and this was before the LinkedIn update. So when I initially joined, the, the LinkedIn of the past was so glorious because you could put all the filters in in terms of location and, and seniorities, et cetera, without needing recruiter. But now they've made recruiter such a, a, a necessary entity that it becomes a bit stupid because there's all these other functionalities yeah, 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 which yeah. makes it confusing. So initially it was just connect requests, but predominantly through Europe. European cities, in engineering specifically, people want to relocate to London because it's the tech hub of Europe, yeah. arguably the world. People want to be here. So yeah. the idea of, of getting people to relocate, because London is so saturated, these candidates are bombarded every single day mercilessly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. how can I find people which aren't approached as much through LinkedIn? It was European cities. So mm. that's what I spent most of my time doing. Um, and was you going in straight for the kill here? Like, Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and the other account we had, so the one in Thailand, again, we could approach any country in the world because they could sponsor. Really? So I was going through Brazil and Ecuador and, and the States and like New Zealand, every country you could think of. I literally had an, an alphabet of countries. I was just going through one country per day. Really? And I was not going home until I finished the country. That's Unless mental. it was like US, then it would take me. Well, and you're just literally more. trying to connect and literally messaging them going, do you want a job? Basically. Um, the Thailand one, it was like... How effective was that? Believe it or not, it was really... It was effective because of the numbers I was putting out. Okay. Um, th- at that point, it was a real numbers game. Like I said, I was new to recruitment. I didn't understand my market too well. It was yeah. like, the more messages I get out, the more chances I have of, re- of getting a response. Yeah. The more qualification I can do, the better I can understand my market sure, and sure. CV sense. So okay. at that point, it was like, literally, do you want to go to Thailand? Um, and you would just find the, the people that did. Um, yeah, that's fair enough. And that was it. Okay. And then, um, okay, so then let's just, before we move on to like the second year then, so that, that mm-hmm. segment of you being on your own, yeah. account management, yeah. BD, yeah. Um, like how did that actually go then? Like was it was it tough? Yeah, so um, the the guy which I was mentored by, um, amazing recruiter, um, he, he was burned out. He'd been doing it for quite a few years. Um, he said, mentored look, look, within like, the company? Uh, yeah, so he he looked after me basically and gave okay. me like roles to work, etc. Um, and he just got burned out and said, "Look, enough is enough." And rumor has it that the uh, his resourcer, other resourcer, um, there was potentially relations going on there. So that person also decided to leave. <laughs> okay. So, uh, again, just rumors, just rumors. Um, and when I was on my own, I inherited all of their markets, which was a combination of of everything because we were generalist at that point. Okay. So what happened was that the accounts you were supposed to be delivering against, because he was coming to the end of his his career, I guess, in agency recruitment, he just to the point where like he wasn't proactively engaging with them, I guess. So okay. the relationships, there were some which were somewhat burned and a little bit like fragmented. So going in and like healing saying, like, can you please give me a chance? At one point I was literally like begging clients, like, please like give me a chance to prove that I'm I'm as good as him or I can be better than him or whatever. Yeah. But at that point for most companies it was too late. Um, and that was also when the the Thailand um, company said they weren't recruiting anymore. So it just all came thick and fast. And I was like, oh my God, to the point where I was working email developer roles for, for 23K bases. Really? I was like, I need to just put money on the board and fill something because we just didn't have much that was, that was going on. Um, and yeah, it was just really, really bizarre. And I was honestly relying on um, my director's to find me roles because I'm terrible at BD. I'm awful at it. Even now, I'm I'm really not very good at it. Really, because I'm scared that someone's gonna be like, "Oh no, you're you're." I've heard bad things. Whatever, it would break my soul. So I'm the 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 nicest recruiter in the world when it comes to my feelings because I, I take it personally, um, which is, probably <laughs> implies I'm probably in the wrong job. But hey ho, sorry for a different time. Um, but okay. yeah, it was it was just difficult because I was always waiting for a role to come through from someone else um, because I was also trying to dual desk as well. So I was trying to do a bit of contract BD and do a bit of perm BD and a bit of this and a bit of that. And I was just so flustered and yeah. all over the place. So Sounds like chaos. I, I just wasn't billing because I was just so scatty. Um, my director was trying to help me and trying to give me direction, but it was, I was trapped in my own head to yeah, an extent. Yeah. So How, what yeah. did you build in your first year? Uh, first year, um, Including the the initial six months, I think it was like ninety grand, really ninety to hundred something like okay. that. Okay, yeah. All right, so let let's just talk about that for a second. Yeah, because particularly the BD part, yeah. even if it's now something you deal with and it's a challenge, yeah. right? Just because um, the most common thing 
I get asked to ask guests on the show about mm. is business development. Um, yeah. You had a similar path to me. So I, I sourced for um, three, four months. Yeah. <clears throat> um, my director passed over some accounts or slowly passed over some relationships yeah um, and then when he when it went to he should now like let's yeah. get get involved in the business development sessions with us yeah. blah 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 yeah you all of a sudden have this really weird relationship with the phone right yeah. all of a sudden you're yeah as you said like you think you're going to be rejected and yeah. all these things right yeah so why like wh- why are you so scared of it like let's just because um, you said yeah. you, you're in your head and these types of things so like yeah. let's just talk about that for a second because there'll, there'll be people listening that also have that challenge and these yeah. types of things and yeah what why why was it such a challenge for you I, I think it was honestly because i was stretched so thin and i was also trying to prove that i deserved my job because okay. i think when you're in your first year most people are thrown into the deep end when it comes to bd um yeah. at least a lot of recruiters that i know and you're under so many, so much pressure to send out X amount of specs and do X amount of calls and add X amount of contacts to yeah. the CRM. And it, it's all just a bit much. Yeah. And you're, you're not doing your job as well as you could because you're trying to do so many different things. And you're trying to tick so many boxes and hit so many KPIs that your brain just shuts down. <laughs> okay. um, and, and that's why I was so terrible at it because it's like, I'm trying to to find people. I'm trying to build relationships. I'm trying to learn my market. I was do all of these different things, which meant that the BD piece was a thing I really, really struggled with because it was essentially a new skill set of how do you approach one of these these like magical clients, right? Yeah. How do you get through the these guarded gates yeah. when you're doing these cold calls? How do you get past that that sodding gatekeeper who's like, no, you know, don't want to talk. Uh, how do you do all this? It's just a completely different mindset, I guess. So yeah. I, I think the the trick which I learned eventually, and, and thankfully the, the bosses were, were sweet with, it was like, can I please just not add all of these freaking contacts to a CRM? That was my thing. It was like, every time I do a call or this or this, I have to log absolutely everything. And it was just, it was flustering. It was like, just let me just go. I'm just going to go message loads of people. I'm not going to track how many set specs I've sent. I'm not going to track everything on the CRM. I'm just going to see what happens, which... Looking back was quite brave to do that because you don't know who you've messaged and who you haven't. But it was like, I just need to be free a little bit to not. Okay. I don't know if that makes any sense though. I think so. Uh, but so, so you, so it just sounds like, it sounds like a bit, a mixture of, um, you, you struggle to manage your day. Yeah. Yeah. Really in terms well. of like making sure that you're, you're doing all the things you need to be doing. Yeah. And then it seems like because the business development part was something that you didn't enjoy. Yeah you sort of just tried to brush that under the yeah. sort of daily tasks as much as possible. Yeah. And then when you did do that, there were certain processes that you needed mm-hmm. to do, which yeah. you just didn't quite enjoy. No. Um, so, so when you say that, so, okay. So when you said that you just then went freely, what do you mean by that? As in like, you just, just, yeah. I, I literally, if I sent a spec, I would not code the person that I sent the spec to um, or what I said in it basically, because I found the admin side of it so incredibly monotonous and boring and soul-destroying that it just means you're not enjoying a job. And most importantly, is you're not sending out as many specs or doing as many calls as you could do. If I'm having to stop for two hours into my day to code everything that I've done, it's just a nightmare. So in those fir- in that first year, my priority was bringing on accounts, seeing success, delivering against them and rebuilding the team. So that's the sacrifice which I chose to make. And it depends on the business you work for as to, yeah, to whether or not you so can that do is, that. That's but, difficult, that one, just because yeah. like, long-term, that's definitely not the right way to no, do it. No, it's not. Think. But nowadays, I do it very differently. But 
back then it was like I need to choose something. Yeah, to you just tried to. Yeah, that's fair enough. That I'll, I'll totally get that. That, that. That's fair enough. Um, okay, so year two then. Mm-hmm. Um, how long? How long was it until you sort of had a few more people around you? Ah. Uh, Truth be told, we made some really bad hires. <laughs> we made some really, really Yeah, but was really, you involved really, in the hires? Uh admittedly, yes. So it's my bad. <laughs> um, what for your team? Yeah. Well it wasn't it wasn't my team back then because I wasn't senior enough, but I was taking like a mentoring role where like I would show them the ropes a little bit, like give them advice if they needed it, but I wouldn't do one to ones or direct line management. I wouldn't give them roles, so to speak. That would still be passed on by you by did, my you just help them sort of the uh, go, uh, help them understand the path that you sort of trodden on right basically Done, yeah. yeah um and we we hired this one person she was a moron um she was such an idiot she'd just sit at a desk and she'd just like paint her nails and stuff and just do nothing it was just ridiculous so she didn't last very long um and then we had another dude who um still probably my funniest story today uh we had uh, an, <laughs> an interview for um uh, is a python role and the interview was booked in for 4 p.m. He doesn't check his diary. He calls up this candidate at um, 3.30. So, so, how did your interview go? Candidate starts talking. Yeah, it went really well, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're going back and forth. And this dude starts closing him. He's like, okay, so could you see yourself there? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah I definitely could. So, like, okay, so like, will you cancel their interviews? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's my other interviews. Right? So he puts the phone down, right? And I'm listening the whole time. I haven't said a word because I know what's coming, right? And I've checked my diary because I put it in mine as well. And um, and this guy stands up all excited. Very well, he had like two or three years experience. And he's like, he's closed. He's ready to go. He's like, like, really full of himself testosterone's pumping through his veins chests out um i was like mate great work great work i was like but he hasn't had his interview yet so how have you done that <laughs> and he went, what he's like is so inter- you closed yeah. him on someone else's yeah, yeah. so oh he closed him on someone else's yeah that is and so then jokes. he cancelled the interview so he, he emailed the so he same canceled the interview guy. The f- with yeah. your client oh my god that's yeah. so, so jokes. he cancelled the interview straight out. i was like you are honestly one of the biggest idiots I've ever met in my life. That's but so there were so many instances where he did that. It was, we were really struggling at one point in engineering. Like really, like it was, with, with losing the team, with me trying to rebuild it on my own, to then make two hires, which ultimately just, just weren't right for the business. What which, did you learn then? Let's let's start talking about these guys. Yeah. Like, what did you learn then? It, it, was, it was more about, um, we, we didn't really have seats for these people in terms of like direct niches or, or an idea of, of how someone would fit in the business. For us it, at that time, it was kind of like panic mode. It was, okay, how can we just get bums on seats, get people in the engineering team, so I'm not on my own, so I've got someone to talk to or whatever. Um, we learned after we hired these two people that that was the wrong strategy to okay. take. So from my perspective, I was much more than focused on pulling like a volume of roles with uh, my director saying, right, let's just get some roles through the door, let's get some accounts, and let's figure out a niche of where we can start carving this thing out. So I was like, okay, I'm going with JavaScript. I'm going with front-end. So I'm going to take care of, of half of, of the engineering world, essentially. You've got yeah. front-end, you've got back-end. I was like, I'm going front-end. That's my thing. My uh, director was like, okay, I'm going to be carving out the back-end. So in terms of like the BDP. So yeah. I'm going back-end. Weren't really too fussed on languages. We said we didn't want to work Ruby, really. We didn't want to work .NET. No, um, not really Python at that time. So we're like, we're going for like, PHP roles, um, we're going to go for, um, I think it was, uh, there was an, another... So, so you niche well. down. Yeah, so it was like, 
And then what we're going to do is once we've got a few accounts on, we're going to go out and we're going to find a resourcer. Okay, that because makes sense. We yeah, don't yeah. need people. With so, that, so basically, so basically, you performed the strategy uh, exactly, and that's what we did. And you actually form. then tried to build a bit of a platform. Exactly. Okay, that makes so sense. So when someone comes in, rather than so, for example, the the girl that I mentioned, she came in and she didn't know what she was doing. Um, that she was also was part of your guys' fault, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. made so many mistakes yeah. during that period. But it's what you learn um, from, right? Uh, exactly. Um, with with the, the two guys previously, they just kind of came in and just were a bit scatty. Oh, what this or what that? Or, yeah, yeah. It didn't work. So after that, we changed tact. We hired um, essentially a bulk of resources, right? Nice. So a few for the engineering team, the product team, um, at that time, the data team. And we're like, right, let's let's do this properly. And we focus on the strategy of getting in people with no experience to essentially build out that that mid-level further so right now we had the the lead team which was like the directors we had the mid team which was us guys who joined a year before and now we wanted the juniors to then grow into the mid position and after we did that we we haven't looked back and that's okay, when nice. we started really expanding and um putting some money on the board yeah nice that's okay that's really interesting so um and that that whole process then happened in year two yeah in year two yeah yeah um okay cool how did you how did you get on year two then yeah, YouTube was good. Um, so billings wise, did just shy of two fifty, oh, wow. uh, which I was really happy with. Um, that, we did what that. the fuck? That's uh, fucking pretty decent. Yeah, we, honestly, the second year when we nailed down what we wanted to do, it was honestly just taking a bit of a step back and saying, "What do we want to do here? Like, what what direction yeah, yeah, are we yeah. going in? And more importantly, how do we want to structure this business?" So this meeting was across the whole team like how do we want to grow out all of our teams that's great and and that was the most valuable experience i think i've had to date to say okay what what do we want the long term of this business to look like um we've came up with like three-year plans of, of how we're going to scale blah 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 which is all well and good but it was looking at the the, the next 12 months you took how a step back this? yeah you took a step back and, and that was it so we're like right we're going to hire uh, a few resources in in uh jam we're going to hire a few resources in in july because obviously that's when people yeah, graduate yeah, 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 yeah. and then we'll look again in jan as well so it's like coming up with dedicated hiring cycles rather than sporadically hiring throughout the year. Yeah, and being reactive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's just very quickly, you've broken down that uh, really well, but that's a, that's a quite big jump. Yeah. Around circa 100K mark, yeah. second year 250. Yeah. How how did you achieve that then with clearly some failures along the way and these types of things? Like how did you, like talk to me a bit about... How you how yeah how you manage to increase mm -hmm. those billings? Yeah, what do you put that down to? So, besides from from getting a hiring strategy right, um, it came down to to a change in in my BD strategy. Okay, talk to me because in in my first year, it was very much you do BD by calling through a list or by emailing yep. through a list or using one of these tools to find jobs or leads yep. or whatever or dragging leads from your candidates. For me. I'm not very good at that. Uh, that's not my strong suit. My strong suit is talking to people, understanding my market, um, and really just building long-term relationships. Yeah. When I have one of my candidates in process, I make sure that they are treated like a king or queen, okay. right? As best as physically possible. It's not possible with everyone because some people are just a bit strange, but again, sorry for a different time. And rather than go through all these other ways of, of doing BD, I just went simple. And that was... All of these people that I'm placing, why wouldn't I just keep in contact with them? Why wouldn't I just say, hey, do you want to grab a beer? It was literally as simple as that of just keeping those relationships going. And that 
uh, meant that I was pulling roles through clients that, that they had joined, um, through clients that they knew were, were recruiting, through friends, through networks. It all came through referrals and recommendations. And I know that sounds a little bit cliche, like, oh, I get all of my roles through recommendations. Mm. But genuinely, in my second year, that's the strategy what I took. So the strategy is mm-hmm. double down on your candidate relationship. Yes. Okay. And when you say that, you mean, obviously, building that relationship. Yeah. But and then are you pretty much basically asking these people saying, who's the hiring manager? Yeah. Are they hiring? Yeah. And then these people would then go, mm-hmm. look, I know you're hiring. Yeah. Um, I know this guy, Reese, yeah. really good or whatever. Yeah. Is, is, was that the... Yeah. It's literally, can you intro me via email? And even if it leads to nothing, what you would find is if they didn't want to work with you initially, in three, six months, if they still hadn't seen the success or they've got a new round... But what about... Just thinking... Mm-hmm. If you get introed and I'm a, I don't know, whatever, a front end yeah. engineer, or whatever, right? Yeah. And I intro my hiring manager to Reese, aren't they yeah. going, well, hang on a minute, this recruiter is speaking to my um, talent. Do you know what I mean? Well, this, this is where you have to be quite delicate with the what the intro actually is. Yeah, that's states. what I mean. So um, I always use a, a pretty structured format in terms of these intro emails because they had to be Give me the pretty format. careful. Format was literally, I've worked with Reese in the past before I joined this business. Ah, okay, nice. First and foremost. Second of all, it would be, um, we still keep in contact. He's not trying to poach me. He's just a good guy. Speak to him to yourself and you'll see what I mean. So Okay, um, cool. That, you, that's solid. That's what I mean. That's what I thought. It, I, I, was all, I was quite worried about that at first, admittedly. Um, but the, the more that you do it and the more recommendations you get, because it's such a small community, the recommendations just kind of, if they hear it from one person, they'll also check it with someone else. Yeah. So for me, again, the, the personal branding piece is so freaking important. So like my recommendations on LinkedIn, I try and get as many as physically possible. So that way, if I've had an intro via email, you'll go on LinkedIn and say, oh, he's worked with so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just had to be quite consistent in the way that, that we, when, when you switch to a strategy like this, you need to make sure your brand is on point and that your recommendations can come from a number of different places, essentially. So that way there's consistency across the market. What's in it for the candidate? Um, to be honest with you, just a lot of love and affection. Um, really? Yeah, that's the way which um, I always phrase it. It's a case of if if you can intro me, I will take you out on a lovely evening of, of debauchery or whatever you want to do. Um, I've had some very weird requests of how we want to do it. Others <laughs> others are more set on taking like a, a percentage of the fee, which again, fine with. If they want to really? take, they want to take a small percentage as a cut, more than happy Have to do Have you done that? that? Yeah, multiple times. Okay, so that's really interesting. Like, for, for me, like... It, but luckily, bosses are happy to do it, which is awesome. Um, because it's like, if I can say, for example, um, say, right, 10% of the fee we're going to give to you as a thank you. So let's say it's a grand. Mm. You get a grand, the business has made 11. Right? It makes commercial sense. And if they do it again and then again and again. So the idea is, particularly with contract talent as well, is if you set up these relationships, they do your BD for you. They're like your little pigeons. They just fly off and they just, they get the the word about few and far out there and it's just doing something like that which is so small that can just be so powerful so it just usually means that when we're negotiating terms with businesses we try and get an extra percent or two just to kind of accommodate what we're going to be losing Um, okay that's 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 interesting so for you the big reason then for you to sort of leveling up your billings and stuff was getting the bd approach yeah um, right, so I'm assuming then this meant that yeah, you had way more opportunity to make more money, yeah, um, and these types of things. So, mm-hmm. would you 
so, but, and then you back yourself to deliver in yeah. terms of re, re, resourcing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, everyone will say it's a candidate short market in your world, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I think you mentioned it. You mentioned it briefly there. Mm-hmm. How, how have you? Is there any on on the sort of resourcing and delivering side mm-hmm. anything that you did really well that you feel um, contributed to you hitting that sort of two fifty mark? Because I've seen you guys online and you talk yeah. about building communities and all these yeah. types of things, right? Yeah. Did was this happening in in year two? Did that did that impact the? the sort of billings amount in terms of, because you spoke about the BD strategy, but then, yeah. okay, what, what what did you do differently on the resourcing yeah. side that impacted that? Um, resourcing side, not too much. I think it was more what I touched on earlier that I would, I focus on a specific market. Okay, so it was rather the than, niche and the focus. Yeah, that you had. it was rather than me do all of these other types of different roles, like email developers and, and cloud okay. engineers or whatever. So it, so was, it was because you was focusing on that, yeah. every job that you worked meant yeah. that there was then a backlog of people that maybe didn't fit that, that you could then yeah. use. Okay, cool, exactly. that makes sense. Okay. Um, year three. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you've been here three and a, uh, about three and a half years. Three and a half years. Okay, yeah. cool. Year three then. Yeah. What went on in year three? Um, Did you level up your billings? So, so yeah, te- technically this is, I guess, still my third year until the end of, of December. I think something like that. Um, okay. But from because I joined in July, so it's a little bit awkward. But but today, so so this year, there's not really too much difference between my third year and now, to be fair. So this year, we've done uh, 260 to date so far. So I'll, I'll, I want to do more ideally, but our target's 400 this year. So we're... And you're saying doing, we there? Yeah. So this is the team. How so, many of you are there? So there's now four of us. Yeah. And you manage that team? Yeah. And then... When you, it's interesting. So then, your your billions then, and these people contribute to that figure. Uh, it depends on the role that they fill. So, um, if when they initially join, if they join as a resource or experienced, that will solely go to my billings. If they get promoted, that's when we start doing uh, dividing up, essentially. Yeah. So we'll do splits. For example, so we have twenty five percent for for each section of the process. So account management, um, pulling the role, um, finding the candidate, managing the candidate. Okay, cool. First. So it depends on on what level you do as to what split you get. Mm. So. There are, are, are deals where I'll get zero and it won't go towards that, that 260. And there will be deals where I get 75%. Okay. Um, so yeah, it really depends. When did you start managing people? Uh, in my second year, I took on my first person, um, which didn't work out, uh, which is a shame. Um, I wasn't supposed to manage that person, but my boss, um, who was supposed to manage this person, broke his collarbone oh, and shit. was out of of the office for I think about two months or something so, so yeah the structure it, wasn't in place it, it was literally look Reece, can you look after her because she doesn't have anyone else to, to learn from so rather than just mentor her I had to directly yeah. lead everything um, and, and yeah it, it didn't work out she did uh, two placements in I think nine months or something um, and she realised that she didn't want to do the job and she's now a primary school teacher so oh nice yeah that's, okay. uh, that was the first experience, and after that, started really like kicking off on management from July last year. So took on the f- first person then, and since then added another yeah three people to the team. What okay? What do, let's just focus on that for a second. Yeah, clearly had a lot of failures. Yeah, with this sort of mentoring, managing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, what have you got right this time? Structure. Yeah, the, you seem pretty chaotic, mate. Yeah. Um, like how have you? Yeah, so structure. So how how yeah. how was structure enabled you to be a better manager and build this team? 
so we we reached out to um to an external guy to to come in and and help us okay. in in leadership training um which at first I was really skeptical about the idea of, of having an experienced recruiter come in and tell you how to do your job I I got my back up really badly the first time I met this guy I was just like oh yeah whatever and we started doing the training sessions with him so we take out half a day um, a month to go with him and he would just talk us through the challenges he's faced, et cetera. And he introduced um, a management framework to us, which put very, very simply was just a process we would follow in terms of of sitting down with your team, the stuff you would cover, the targets you would set and the conversations which you would have. And most importantly is asking them what freaking motivates them because none of us had done that. None of us before when we were mentoring had said, "So, so what motivates you? It's such a simple question and none of us had thought about it. We'd never had a conversation with anyone we'd ever taken on, in, including our directors to us, saying, guys, what, what motivates you? Like, What gets you out of bed? Where do you want to be in three years or five years? And it was that shift in dynamic of adding in those processes, understanding wider motivations, that we could genuinely drill in on the the structure and, and performance of the, the team, right? So nowadays with, with the guys I've got right now, Every day we do the, the same thing. We sit down at the same times. We cover the, the same topics and we see success from it because everyone knows what to expect. Whereas before we would come in chaos. in the morning. But honestly, we come in the morning. Do you know what you're doing today? Yeah, I do. Cool. Done. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that was my morning catch up and I would be done for the rest of the day. Wow. And it would get to Friday and they would have two CVs out and I'd say, what the hell have you been doing all week? Yeah, right? yeah okay. That's, that's a shitty manager. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, okay. If I'm listening right now, mm-hmm. haven't got much process, haven't got much structure. Mm-hmm. What what should I, like from, from that whole process that you've gone through now, yeah. what should be the first thing that I should implement and do mm-hmm. um, that, that will probably have the biggest impact, do you think? In terms of management? Or? Yeah, in terms of management. Uh, management, so that when, when you take on people in your team, the... The most frustrating thing I would say and the easiest uh, mistake to slip into is answering questions. So if I'm sat at my desk and uh, one of my resources has a question for me, I will instantly want to answer it. I will instantly want to help them. And I think it's the worst mistake that you can do. Okay. So the reason why I say that is because you need to have dedicated times where you have conversations with your team. If you get questions thrown at you sporadically throughout the day, it screws up your day plan. It distracts you. Um, more importantly, it doesn't allow them to figure it out themselves. So we can slip down this rabbit hole of, of babying ever yeah. so slightly. So just giving that that autonomy to just let them crack on and do their stuff. And the rule is like, it, it, can you find the answer by Googling it? If you can't, we'll have a conversation in our catch-up, right? Unless it's life or death. Unless you're telling me the candidate has dropped out of the final interview, which is taking place in 30 minutes, cool, that's fine. But if it's like, okay, is, is, is my Boolean correct? Do we need to have that conversation at 10.30 in the morning? No, because we had a catch-up at 8.30 or 9. We don't need to have another catch-up in an hour's time, unless it's already been booked in. So just sticking to that that solid structure makes so much difference because it means that you can do your job. And if you can do your job, you can pull roles for these guys. Yeah. Or you can find candidates for, for so the roles. So what, what's the structure then? The uh, structure, so um, you have three catch-ups a day. You have one long one in the morning. What do you one. mean by long? Long one, um, usually 45 minutes to okay. an hour. You sit there, you'll run through each of their day plans yeah. and you'll set smart targets, right? Okay, cool. Not like core KPIs like, oh, you need to have um, 20 pre-screens by the end of the day or something weird like that. But saying, if you're going through a recruiter, okay, how many people do you want to message in that time? 
okay, I want to message 30 people. Cool. So between 10 and 12, you want to message 30 people on LinkedIn Recruiter. Awesome. Cool. It's measurable. We can we can work with that. And yeah. we'll do that for, for the whole team. What do you guys want to do? What roles are you focusing on? Why do you think that's the right role to focus on? Nice. And we'll talk through it as a team. Um, after that, we just set them off into to the wilderness. Yeah, they do their thing. Um, they crack on. Lunchtime, literally 10 minutes. Guys, how are you getting on? Do you need any help? What questions have you got, et cetera? Having that just general touch point. Nice. Do you need anything? Most of the time, it's, it's a no or it's like a generic question. End of the day, again, 10, 15 minutes. How did your day go? Do you need any help? If they said, yeah, I haven't had time to do this. Cool. You're staying late, right? If you haven't finished what you need to do, yeah, you yeah. stay late and crack on. But most of the time, you don't need to so do then that. If, okay, and then just, and then like that. And then um, if they try and grab you between that 10 and 12 when yeah. you've decided what they're focusing on or whatever, yeah. is it you saying no, well, that like you deciding if that can wait or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. All I say is, is it life-threatening? Oh, is that the question? Is, is it life-threatening? No, it's not. Okay, let's have a catch-up straight yeah, after okay, lunch. Yeah, cool. So you're stripped with that. So, yeah, and, uh, and do you know what? At first, you feel like a dick for doing it. Yeah, no, but that's... But honestly, the, the thing for me is like, you need to give people autonomy to crack on and do their thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you just constantly baby them and say, this is the answer, this is the answer, this, then they can't yeah. grow and progress. Okay. So. And then the final point on that, Yeah. if right now I'm, I'm a manager listening, I have a small team or whatever, yeah. or even as, oh, I guess it's beneficial as, a, as an individual because you said that yeah. you haven't done it for yourself. Um, what's like, how did you then cultivate or what's the conversation to understand yeah. why these, what these people are motivated by? Like, how does that go and what can, how can people approach that? Um, Apart from asking the, the 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 question of what motivates you, because, <laughs> because everyone answered with oh, I don't know. That's what I so, mean. Yeah. yeah, some people will, will say money inevitably. Some people will have some sort of answer like progressing, which is a bit generic. Yeah. Um, the question which we were taught to ask is: um, you ask your team, when was the last time you felt motivated? Oh, nice. And they'll say, um, so when my boss did this to me, I think is I knew what he was going to ask me because I was in the same training session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I know what you're doing here, pal. Um, I said to him, the last time I was motivated was when we had the Vegas incentive because I'd never been outside of Europe, Vegas. Like I've heard horrible, horrible things about this place. I want to go there. Yeah, yeah. That was a real time. And we dug into it. And one of my key motivations was making memories, which oh, sounds okay. really weird, right? No, but that makes sense. Now if my boss wants something from me, he'll try and spin something that it will be a memory. Like yeah. he, even like um, they're stitching me up later by dressing me up because I've, I've lost a bet with one of them, right? Oh, wow. My boss is like, yeah, but it'll be a memory. I'm like, oh, damn you. So that's a really good point you made yeah. there is like once once you've then tapped into it, yeah. really dug deeper then, yeah. I just want to progress. Or yeah. I want to make money, right? Yeah. Then all of a sudden you have a real enabler and fuel yeah. to go, yeah. If I'm working for you and you know my motivator is making yeah. memories or whatever, yeah. you go, Reese. Yeah, uh, honestly. Are you like, it's remember horrible. what we said? Are you yeah. serious about buying that property for your family or whatever? Yeah. Like, is that, yeah. do you know what I mean? So yeah, then you can horrible. then use that. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's interesting. I, th I think the, the easiest mistake to make, though, is, is, relying on the money motivator because yeah, yeah. recruitment right is not the best job in the world as we all know mm. it can be really horrible and we're all sold that, that money is the reason why we do this but I think you need to dig into to why money is important so even if it is uh, I really want to buy a house for my mum why it's getting that next level next level yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of what most people stop there and be like oh cool so mm. remember buy the house for your mum but why do you want to buy the house for the mum like what's going on underneath that and that's when it gets really interesting. And that's when you can really work with your team. Because if you understand your team, 
you know how to get the best out yeah. of them. But again, when I first started managing, um, and I've only been doing it for a year, so I don't want to preach like I know everything because trust me, I don't. Definitely. But not. the the first time I was just like, do more deals. Like, yeah, yeah, you need money. Classic. You're you're poor. You're on twenty k. You're yeah, you're yeah. you're struggling. Like, you need food. It's, yeah. Doesn't really work. So, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Bit of a segue then. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. So what, what I wanted to ask you about then, mm-hmm. which I think would be really interesting. So few and far, yeah. so I went to your um, launch party the other week, yeah. uh, which was good fun. Yeah. Um, and you've had some interesting experience, right? So yeah. in a nutshell, mm-hmm. um, when did you do the offering where you went on site for a... Mm-hmm. Um, one of your clients was that in the third year? Uh, was that in the last towards, towards the end of the yeah second year, uh, end of second year. It so was. end of um, second year, yeah. beginning of the third year. Uh, yeah, essentially a little bit before the third year. No, so it was more like the middle of second year to the end of second year. So it was like a six month period. Okay. Um, so so this was really interesting because I, I think most people listening will understand that there's been a bit of a shift in recruitment recently in terms of yeah. the models that are being offered. Mm-hmm. There is the growth of this on-site model, which has been sold as the, the be-all, end-all. Every recruiter and every recruitment company is now exploring the possibility of going on-site with their clients, right? Which, you know, could be a great thing. It could be a bad thing, depending on the business. But we're in a position where I think we were trying to be reactive, we were looking at other businesses and their success and the clients they were winning and their marketing. We were like, wow, we could do that, but better. So that's yeah. what we're going to do. And that's when we we tested it with with Rush Partners. And at the time, um, we were planning on hiring uh, someone permanently for us who we would essentially contract out. Okay. So kind of like a consultancy model. And we we looked for, for a few months and we just couldn't find anyone who – who we liked. So my boss turned around to me one day and said, hey, how would you feel about doing this? And at first I was like, um, no, I'm, I'm all right, thanks, mate. Um, and the more he explained the reasons why we, we were doing it um, and the fact that it was like a pilot scheme, he sold me completely. Yeah. Um, and do you know what? I'm really glad that he did because it was probably one of my best experiences to date. So okay. um, we literally went on site with these guys and we we looked at, at the whole offering. It was we reviewed their benefits package, we reviewed their their specs, we reviewed their their marketing strategy for them in terms of attracting talent. We reviewed um, their hiring process, reviewed their sourcing strategies, their ATSs, everything, down to the last like freaking point. Yeah. Right. Honestly, it was amazing. Okay. And Why was I, it amazing? I, because you have so much control over the the process and 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 you know what to expect so rather than send a cv and it just kind of goes off into to this other world like this black hole this Mm. chasm with this you would send a cv to yourself and you would do the screening calls yourself and when you're handing over the cvs you can look at your hiring managers and say right this is what we've discussed this is what this person has said that they're they're strong at this is my concern about the candidate do you want to call and you have so much more control, not just over the client, but but over the process and over almost like your your own screenings, because you know what the client wants because you're sat next to them. So why is that beneficial? Because that way you know exactly what you're looking for, and you can actually get hires through the door. Whereas okay. most of the time, uh, we as recruiters have like one qualification call. Yeah. Uh, give me five points that can get this person a first interview, and then we'll just kind of go through the process, and and that's it. Yeah. And. I, I don't know about anyone else, but I, I get a lot of rejections for culture fit. Um, technical 
skills. Most people, you either have it or you don't. Yeah, sure it's going to come. Yeah, culture yeah. fit, yeah. Culture fit was the key thing. But when you're on site with these guys... How did that actually work? And so like, where was you sat? Who did you sat they, with? Yeah, they gave me a desk. Really? Um, yeah, I sat next to, to the CTO. Um, and yeah, that was it. But the, the, the scary thing about it is if you're not doing your job properly, you're not just answering to your boss at your agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different. You are directly answering to the CTO who sat right next to you. Yeah. There's no running away here. Yeah. He will say to you, okay, so how many people have you messaged today? Right? And it's not like agency was like, oh, I haven't done as many as I should have. Sorry, boss. Yeah. If you haven't done as many, they're like, why are we paying you? Yeah, why, yeah, why, yeah. why are we using back then? No, it. Why, why are we doing that? So the added pressure of delivering was, was ridiculous. But, but then I'm assuming you was like, um, the added element of you being on site, there was yeah. also a bigger driver of to... Definitely. To help, because like you could, yeah. you'll see the the yeah. real impact there yeah. in your face. Yeah. Honestly, it was, if if I don't deliver here, we're going to get fired and our pilot run is a failure because of me. And all that pressure, I was like, that's awesome. Let's let's do it. Let's, and let's. all you did all day was source? Yeah. Uh, well, aside from um, all the initial the reviews, strategy so piece, like the, yeah. yeah well, that also took quite a lot of time. Okay, Even fair when we'd set it up, we were always adjusting it and altering it. That makes sense. So he's always catching up. Yeah. understand. All, Has anything changed? We need to re- review exactly. the technical. Ex- okay, cool. Yeah. And then just a quick one then. Mm. How like um, that whole overall experience? Yes. Yeah. Like, how did it then? What was the result? Uh, we made twelve or thirteen placements in. I think it was like a four month period. Um, okay. That was everyone was an engineer apart from one, and that was a UX guy. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was very very successful. It okay. was great. Um, and what what would you say was the biggest um, benefit? to the client for doing that they didn't have to do anything really that i would take care of, of everything for them like i said the the strategy piece the the benefits review everything i would give them recommendations so rather than going out and doing their research we would present all of the data to them saying look this is what your competitors are doing mm. this is how we can do it better so we did all of the the data piece for them so all let's do was just essentially press the green button to say yeah. go so okay and then how how was your overall experience of that? Because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. like, how often was you there? Uh, I was there once a week, sometimes twice. Just once a week? Yeah. And then the rest of the time you was? In the no office. In, the, in, yeah. the, in, in this office? Yeah. Okay. How was that experience? Towards the end, it, it burned me out really badly. Um, predominantly because of the commute, though, because I live um, towards Stratford and the the guys at Rush are based in Paddington. Oh, wow. So I was doing about an hour and 10 on that one day where I would go in. Um, it was just, like, as in commuting, it was just, it, it sucked. Um, but that was also because towards the end of the tenure, this is when we had sat down and done a hiring strategy and said, this is what we want to recruit for, et cetera. So trying to do the recruitment on, on our side in terms of internally to find resources, et cetera, and manage against other clients and deliver against other clients. It was so much to take on that after four months, I, was, I spoke to my boss and said, look, as much as I'm loving it, we need to find a replacement. So we did find a replacement for me. Um, we just Fair got enough. a contract recruiter to go in there um, and he did an awesome job as well. Okay. That's, that's really interesting. Um, Okay, and then um, what? The, what the other thing that I wanted to to make sure that we covered um, was because I think you guys really push this. Yeah, and I don't know if you've been involved in some of the events that I've seen or whatever. Yeah, that you guys really preach around building communities. Yeah, definitely. What does that actually mean? 
building communities is not just about sending one CV or making one placement or two placement or even three. It's about genuinely like building relationships for the long term. So well, like I said earlier, it um, my BD strategy was reaching out to previous candidates I'd worked with. For me, I have now my own engineering community of people that I can reach out to and have a great relationship with. On top of that, we are also really, really hot on the meetup side. So actually going to events, hosting events, partnering with events, and mostly paying for pizza and booze because that's the way to everyone's heart, admittedly. So um, we've been working with Mind the Product now for for years and years and years. We work with UX Crunch and UX Live. We work with React Advanced and we run our own hackathon. It's doing all these other things which are giving back to the wider community, I guess. So it's all about those long-term relationships and sustaining them. But in terms of the the new model offering which we're looking at, it's just saying, look, if you want to go and recruit 20 people at one time, we'll take care of it. That's not a problem. Or if you want to recruit one person at a time over a three-year period, which is going to lead to 20 hires, we'll cover you. And it's just about coming up with different service offerings where we can accommodate that. Yeah, Um, okay. Yeah. On the communities piece, because a lot of people particularly in the, the tech market, to be fair, have spoke about events, right? Yeah. How does that make you more money? So um, from the, the most obvious one is from a BD piece when you say, I run my own hackathon, it makes you sound quite unique. Is this okay. the obvious one. So you're, you're more likely so to pull clients. Pull if, clients, okay. Yeah, if, if you say, you know, you're I'm- not calling them about jobs. Not really, no. It's usually just saying, uh, asking them about what the hell's going on and just introducing yourself saying, yeah, well, you know, we saw that uh, there's, for example, a React meetup. Are you sending the guys down? Like, what's your thinking? Or with the hackathon, it's, do you guys want to compete? Do you want to come down, bring your team? Um, there's no like entry fee or like, um, like weird terms attached to it. It's just like, look, do you want to come down and just do some awesome shit for charity? Um, in terms of the mind the product piece, so going on stage and introducing yourself to... Um, I think it's like a thousand product managers um, oh, wow. saying, hey, if you need a job, you need advice on your CV. If you ever want to talk about your your career trajectory, career trajectory yeah. well, that's a hard word, <laughs> um, then come to us. If you're ever looking for product managers, again, come to us. It's being the official recruitment partner mm. for these huge platforms where if someone gets made redundant, God forbid, then they think, okay, who do I know? Who do I know? Who do I know? It's like, oh, I went to that meetup and there was those yeah, guys yeah, yeah. that, oh, okay, I'll, I'll reach out to them. Um, you'd be surprised at how many candidates we get from that. Um, really? So yeah, it's, it's definitely okay. very, very beneficial. And then um, just to wrap that up, have you have you been involved at all in like the start of starting these events? Whatever? I'm sure there'll yeah. be a multiple people involved. Yeah. But if I'm listening right now, mm-hmm. heard three or four people now talk about events or whatever, what's, yep. what's sort of your advice to start an event. Um, like where does with, that come from, and how do you approach it? So, I was one of the the founding guys of, uh, of the Hacker Games, so the hackathon that we run um, alongside the the guy that used to work here um, okay. and the marketing team. And we really had to do a lot of research into what was already on the market. Okay, so look what at had, what people yeah, already what, what had already been done, and could it be done differently slash better? So, with the Hacker yeah. Games. There are lots and lots of hackathons. Yeah. Lots of hackathons. Um, most of which are internal, or maybe there'll be one or two companies compete against each other. But there's never been one that's been done across uh, multiple different companies, across different 
um, like sectors and all this different stuff. So in our last hackathon, we had like ASOS versus Just Eat versus Moonpig um, versus the guys at Judo Pay, so an early stage startup. We had 12 different types of businesses who they have no business going against each other, although they've got no reason to clash before a different hackathon. So putting our clients against each other to see who was the best was something which had never been done before. Okay, so it was just... The, the, the thing I would always recommend avoiding, especially in, in our space, is everyone thinks the, the answer is to found their own meetup. Yeah. I'm going to host a Scala meetup. I'm going to do a jo- It's been done time and time and time and time again. If you want to partner with one that's very successful, again, you have to ask yourself from a business perspective, what is my return on my investment? Yeah. How can we do things differently when we're actually at the meetup? Um, are we just going to go and turn up with with free pizzas or can I have a store where I do career coaching can Mm. I say look guys you don't have to be looking for a job but if you want to come over and talk to me about your career or how you should have a conversation with your boss about your salary review or whatever use us as those guys right that that's it so it's just about thinking from things from a different perspective how you can add value genuinely how can I add value but do it in a way that isn't done constantly if you are one of these people that found your own meetup or partners with the meetup and you stand awkwardly on the side and you just occasionally just grunt at people, <laughs> like, you're not going to get anything from that. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. For, interesting. Um, okay, mate. A few last things mm-hmm. before we finish. Just because um, uh, I'd be keen to get your thoughts and also just thinking of the, the things that people have asked me quite a lot recently. Yeah. Um, two or three things. So the first thing, I think just to round up your whole experience and journey with... Yeah this business development piece and all that. Yeah. You've already spoke a bit about how you approach it differently. Yeah. But I've had quite a few messages recently yeah. as um, how, like, could you talk to people about how they've approached it in a really different and unique way? Yeah. So you've already mentioned about candidates. You've already yeah. mentioned about um, the events. Yeah. Is there anything else, just because I feel like you'd be quite open to it, like yeah. you've used, you've done creatively or out of the box to try yeah. and grab people's attention from a business development standpoint? I, I have and I still do one thing. <laughs> yes, what is it? Um, in my specs, I attach a meme. A meme? A meme. Wow, okay. I'm telling you, dude, it works. Really? You send a meme, you, you can't choose an offensive one, admittedly. Yeah, yeah. I've made that mistake. <laughs> when you, what, what do you mean by in your specs? Um, so when I'm sending an email through of saying, Hey, I saw you're recruiting for a role. Oh, okay, okay. I've got this one person in mind, like a brief overview, whatever. Um, it's usually the structure. Um, I know you get all these emails all the time, so if you don't respond, here's a meme which will hopefully make you laugh. Nice. I like. Okay, done. Great answer. I yeah. love that. Okay, cool. Um, really like that answer. That's, that's wicked. Next one. Um, a few people have asked me about this recently, so um, asked the last chap this mm-hmm. counter offers. Yeah. It's such a like a typical. <laughs> it's such a typical like. Yeah, I know the answer to that. Sixty yeah. percent of people when they accept a counter offer don't last, whatever. Yeah. But like, had a few people recently message about. Um, Hisham would love you to talk to people about counter offers or yeah. whatever. And like, what's like your if one of your guys right now, mm. um, their candidate's susceptible to a counter offer or whatever. What's your advice for these people? Uh, what's your like go to advice? It depends on what stage. The The thing I would always say is you have to cover your counteroffer in the very, very first call. And um, if you don't do it there or you don't do it properly, you're always going to be susceptible. Yeah. Um, so I'll answer this in a, in a few different ways. First and foremost, in that conversation you have, the very first conversation, most people say, um, 
what if they gave you an extra 10K? Or um, something like, uh, have you made up your mind about leaving the business? Does your boss know? Something like that. The questions which we ask are, what can your company do to keep you? In that exact way, right? What can they do? And they say nothing. No, that's not, not, that's not one of the answers you can give. What can they do? Uh, they can fire the CEO and the CTO and the CPO. Cool. That's probably not going to happen. So uh, I don't think you're susceptible to a counter offer. Okay, okay. If they say, oh, they'd have to give me an extra 30 grand. Okay, why? What about that 30 grand would, would make you happy? I, I just feel valued in, in my job. Okay, so money is the only way you can feel, feel valuable. Yeah. Okay, but the role that I've got in mind for you is only an extra 5K. So how does that work? Oh, well, money isn't everything. Okay, but you just said it's everything. You really get under the bonnet yeah, you of, have to, of yeah. understanding from that very first call. And most of the time I say, have you had a conversation with the manager? But I think you need to make a decision as to whether or not it's realistic for something to happen or this counteroffer to happen. So, for example, I've had one counteroffer in my career. It was in my third month. It broke my heart because um, the guy had accepted the offer. Um, he said, let's go and grab a beer. So I turn up, I'm, I'm buzzing. I'm like, yeah, I've just banged in a deal. This is for my promotion, I think, back in the day. And I was like, yes. And the office, like, we're all buzzing. Like, well done, Reese. you've done your promotion deal. It's like number six or something. And I turn up and this guy goes, look, I'm just grab a beer with you because I've accepted a counter offer. And I want to let you know that there was no hard feelings. And I sat there, the whole meeting, heartbroken. <laughs> like, oh my God. I said, but, but how? I was like, you told me they'd have to retrain you in a different technology and they'd have to give you at least 15k there's no way they'd, they'd do both it's like they did i was like how and he walked me through it he's like because the the their product essentially was still quite early stage so they could take different technical decisions so because he said he was leaving and they loved him so much um he sat down with the cto and he was like okay let's change so they switched from php to node and i was like how? Like, <laughs> how have you, like, it doesn't make sense. But that for me is because I should have realized in a small business that's possible. Mm. It's uncommon. So I will inevitably have a counter offer at one stage in my career in the next, I don't know, six months, a year, 18 months, where I should have seen it coming, but I didn't, right? Because counter offers, as much as recruiters think they have control over everything, sometimes they don't. Most of the time, in counter offers, we do. And yeah, yeah. there's going to be said. times when you can't, but yeah. okay, no, I really, but I really you like have that, to mate. assess the realisticness of their answer of what can they do to what keep can they you? do to keep you? Yeah, that's really good. And you need to get them to give you an answer. If they say yeah. nothing, nothing, okay, why is it nothing? Yeah, because I hate it here. They're all arseholes. I hate them. They're, fair enough. That's good advice, mate. Um, last two things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think obviously you've been on a quite interesting journey. Mm-hmm. Clearly, been plenty of chaos. Yeah, failures. Yeah. Um, clearly that like done well mm-hmm. um what what's um what's enabled you to to get through some of the that that chaos and the, the sort of resilience piece right yeah I'd, I'd be keen to get your thoughts on this like wh- yeah. when you when you thought about quitting when you've yeah. had these really bad failures like yeah. what how have you sort of pulled through the other side and now clearly in, the, in a good spot and yeah obviously you can always improve and stuff but yeah yeah there there are two things um the first one sounds like a bit of a a weird cringe answer but it's true um and that's the trust which which my bosses have given me nice. um the the guys that they run few and far is their very first business they've never done it before which means they make mistakes but they also allow us to make mistakes nice. as managers like i've spoken on this podcast like i've made a few <laughs> mistakes when it comes to management right um or even generally and they've always just let all of us crack on 
There's no one behind me threatening me with you're going to lose your job or you haven't hit your core KPIs or you haven't been on the phone long enough. It's none of that. It's you are given full trust to crack on, which means if I'm going through a shit time, it's probably my fault because they've given me the autonomy to do what I think is best. So then I can sit there and go, okay, can I change it? Can I do something different? What am I doing wrong? So rather than blame someone else, because I think in uh, some people that we've hired from other businesses, they fall out with the boss or it's the type of environment or whatever. In this business, it's genuinely not like that. So it means that if I walk away from from recruitment, I have failed. It's on me. I have screwed up. That's the first one. More importantly, though, is the culture that, that we operate within. And I think this is true of every single recruitment business. If you enjoy where you work and the people that you work with, recruitment becomes much, much easier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, luckily, I work with some freaking animals yeah. where we can go out, we can have a good time, we go go-karting together or we're planning a trip to Butlins together at the moment, which is very bizarre. Yeah. But if you're friends with the people that you work with and you, you pull yourself up and you work in an environment where, for example, we have a quarterly night out um, where we go to Weatherspoons, right? Sounds sounds terrible, right? My, one of my bosses hates it with a passion because he thinks Weatherspoons is just full of scum, right? Yeah, yeah. But... It's it's just weird and different. So having a team to pick you up when you're down and also you being there to pick up other people and bouncing off each other and, and giving each other different ideas and, and really just finding a place where you have some friends. One of the the things which um, someone said to me a long time ago was that you you have your, your personal life and you have your professional life and you keep them separate. For me, we do not do that. If someone wanted to join this business and they wanted a clear distinction between work and, and personal, it wouldn't work realistically because we are friends. What did you do on the weekend? It's not, oh, well, I just watched some Netflix. We will talk about all of our horror stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if one of the guys okay. had been on a horrible date and been captured. So just bit, bit, sort of being in this type of environment has really helped you? Yeah, because you, you, like I said, the most important thing is that you can have friends around you. It's, yeah. You're not working for people which are shouting at you saying, you're a failure, you've not done KPIs, whatever. Like I, I go for beers constantly with, with my directors and, and we've I've seen them both in horrible states. Horrible states. Where yeah, I think I think what I think what you're what you're also saying there to sort of wrap that up is that um even though yeah, it it it, it, it was you that made the failure and yeah. found it really difficult, or whatever, yeah. being in that type of environment and building those types of relationships, it becomes like not just about you. Mm. Definitely. Do you know what I mean? So all of a sudden it's like yeah, you're thinking about other people that can help you get through yeah. the tough time. It's not just you and these types of things, right? Yeah, no. It, and we talk about like building communities for our clients and stuff, but you have to practice what you preach. Yeah. Um, if we can't do it internally and we can't set up, for example, um, the best ways of attracting our own talent ourselves, how the hell can we advise yeah, anyone else? Yeah. We'd be like that. Right, last two questions. Yeah. First one. What... What uh, has been the uh, <laughs> what's been the the best reason um, a candidate's given you for them not showing up to an interview? Um, I've I've had the my dad's died a lot, really a, a lot. Like I, I probably get it once every six weeks. Once <laughs> um, well, every six but, but weeks. It's on. A, it's it's always the dad. Always the really? dad. Um, sometimes my mum's in hospital. Um, but do you know what? The I have a better interview story, um, which was with, um, it was a Google Hangouts interview. Yeah. Um, where it was a video call. And I made it really clear to the, to the candidate. I was like, 
dude, it's a video call. Make sure there's nothing weird behind yeah, you. Make, yeah, sure you're, yeah, yeah. make sure you're clothed, most importantly. Yeah. Like, I don't, no one wants to see your nipples on, on a hangout. So like, this is a job paying like 80 grand at the time. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure, I've got this, I've got this. And the interview starts. And um, I've got this client on Slack. And um, and the client messages me whilst the interview's going on. He's like, um, can I show you something? And I was like, sure, well, what's going on? <laughs> and um, a guy sends me a screenshot of oh, the video no. call. And the screenshot, swear to God, I'll show you after to this, right? Yeah. Was there was someone asleep behind him, right? As in passed out, it looked like a dead body, <laughs> right? So this time, the whole time, the, the candidate was facing forward looking at the, the, the screen and there was a woman led behind him, not moving, just completely. That's so like, weird. Just, just unconscious, like dead. Oh my God. And <laughs> the, the client at the time goes, is is she all all right? He's like, ah, oh, don't worry about her. She's my cleaner. He went, what? <laughs> why, why? Why is your cleaner asleep behind you? What, what are you doing? So at that point, he just said, look, I don't think you'll be right for the role, and, and hung up. And he messaged me, he was like, look, for for future, he, he gave me such a bollocking for it. He was like, can you make sure the candidate's prepared? I was like, I spoke yeah, to this guy. I said, so I said, make sure that there's nothing behind you or that you're clothed. And I spoke to the guy. I was like, what did you do that? He's like, well, technically, nothing was behind me. I was like, there's a person behind you asleep. So like, but anyway, that's, right. a, that's, the best <laughs> that's, that's the best one. Thank you for sharing, mate. Yeah. Um, before we finish then, what, what are you excited about, mate? What's going on at Few and Far? Oh, Few and Far. What's going on, the, mate? The, the sexy name. What's um, going on? Honestly, man, um, I, I think recruitment is becoming more and more and more and more saturated. Um, and I think everyone you have on the podcast will say something similar. With, with us, I'm genuinely excited because... Now we're in a position where all of us are getting more experience. Mm. Um, Nick and Sam have been running the business now for for quite a few years. They've kind of been there and done it. They've seen the the good times and the bad times with us as managers. We've made some really horrible mistakes, like we've discussed today with our clients as well. With BD, we've had some some very bad failures. We've had people were sleeping into like we've just discussed, and we've been learning from those mistakes constantly. So we're now in a position where we can do something freaking awesome. And before of having the brand that we did where our logo was a bullseye and our name was Know It, which is probably the most arrogant name I've ever heard ever from any recruitment business I've seen. And now we've we've really looked at everything. We've learned from our internal stuff as well as the research we've done from our clients. And when we did our research about our, our name, they said it was dog shit was the words that we used, which is not ideal. And because we've been taking those steps and doing the research we have, and, and like I said, um, making sure we're not repeating the mistakes from the past, we're now in a position where the team is growing, where we're putting money in the board, and we're all having fun. So we're in a position where, honestly, we can do so much here, and we can have a real impact in this market if we carry on with what we're doing now. So there are so many awesome other companies out there doing some great things, but for, for us, we just want our name to be included in that bracket. So when you think of the the best IT recruitment company or recru yeah, recruitment agencies, we want ours to be the number one or one of the first ones you think of. Yeah. And if we can do that with our market presence, with you know the the events that we run or the the people we partner with or the experiences we give candidates, um honestly we can do so much and genuinely stop being referred to as as uh, as recruiters as tossers yeah if i'm on a night out i don't want to to 
see people walk away from me when I say, oh, I'm a recruiter. Because it happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. I think they're using an excuse because my face needs some work. But at the same <laughs> time, I, I want... I'm never ever going to change the perception of recruitment. We're never ever going to do that. But if we can change perception of recruitment in our market, and even if we say there are a few good companies out there, because right now we have just such a, uh, IT recruitment businesses have such a horrible reputation across the board. If we can break from that niche and be like, damn, these guys are actually pretty good. Mm. Even if it's with other businesses, like I've said, we're in a really good place. My ultimate goal is to, to, shut down as many IT recruitment departments as possible, obviously. Nice. But are we ever going to do that? Maybe not. So can we just be known for being good at what we do? Yes. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff planned. We're we're doing some cool shit, but I guess we'll see what happens. Exciting, man. Last question. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you could um, communicate to everyone listening right now, um, anyone in recruitment, they Mm -hmm. take on your advice. Yeah. They'd implement Reese's advice tomorrow. Could be a word, a phrase. Yeah. What would you uh, say to these people? Um, Learn your market. Learn your freaking market. Um, If you can... So what we touched on earlier is don't be afraid to ask stupid questions. And this applies to any industry. Don't feel like an idiot because your manager sat right next to you or your boss is sat next to you or whatever it is or that you think the candidate is going to think that you don't know your market. It is fine to not know the answers to everything about your market because if you did know all the answers, you would be recruiting yourself, right? If I knew everything about microservices architecture, I wouldn't be a recruiter. I'd be sat on 90 grand and I would be a back-end developer. But I don't want to do that. So don't be afraid to just learn a little bit about what you do. Is uh, that's the, the biggest thing and that's when I first joined I was scared at first and then I realised that I was being really really dumb so it's been a pleasure mate Same thank to you, you. Man.